It's in the danger zone. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Ooh, sorry. No, sorry. We're sorry, we're laughing. It's just that was bad timing. Sorry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the British University Ice Hockey Association podcast, the BIHA podcast. I'm joined by Nick. How are you doing, Nick? I'm very well, thanks for having yourself. Good, good. I realised you told me that your battery was running low, and I decided to go full British University Ice Hockey Association there. So that was- <laughs> That was a challenge, challenge accepted moment by me. And what have you been doing uh, since hockey hockey stopped? Uh, sorry, April time. Um, sleeping, catching catching up from those long weekends in uh, long weekends in Sheffield. Um, no, just um, been enjoying the nice weather that we've been having. But also, um, I'm sure you can you can vouch for Rambo. Uh, there's an element of uh, work life balance that. When you take hockey then out of that equation, it normally gets filled with more work. So yeah. I'm just be trying to trying to keep up professionally with the with my commitments that sometimes um have to slide a little bit when hockey's on. But yeah, it's uh, just the usual. Just the usual. And um have you have you been uh, keeping tabs on the playoffs? What do you what do you make of the, the the Las Vegas Vikings um Las Vegas Vikings, Las Vegas Golden Knights and um, winning the um the, uh, the the NHL in just their sixth season. I was going to say, Rambo, that um, we're off to a good start there. Um, <laughs> no, the the one thing did you see the um, did you see the story where obviously you always get these things, don't you, where people make tweets and then turn out to be like prophesized and things like that. Did you see that like the day after the the Vegas team was like announced that some guy went, this team's going to win the Stanley Cup playoffs in twenty twenty three. No, I didn't. And that was like back in 2017 or whatever it was, like literally the day after they announced the team. And like, I don't know. I don't know whether these guys just have all these burner accounts and like he's also got another burner account where he's probably <laughs> going to win it in 2024, 2025, 2026. But no, um, yeah, the playoffs are pretty good. Like some, um, the NHL's in, a, in my opinion, in a really, really strange place. Um, I'm sure for you people out there, who are BYCHA fanatics? Obviously, I'm sure there's certain things and certain decisions within the BYCHA that might mystify you or might kind of not necessarily make sense. But um, certainly, uh, I would say that BYCHA organisationally and rules-wise is in a bit of better better place than the NHL in terms of um, what is what are penalties and suspensions anymore, Rambo? Like, none of it makes sense to me. Um, so I don't know whether. I don't know how much of the playoffs you had seen, but obviously in the earlier rounds you had um, Las Vegas themselves actually were playing against Edmonton. And um, Leon Dreisaitl at that point had got 13 goals by round two, Rambo, which he still finished as joint top goal scorer for the entire thing, considering he was eliminated in round two. Um, I mean, he was actually eliminated in round two from what I saw as well. Yeah. Uh, not just the team, but... Yeah, since uh, Petrangelo tries to literally in a in a throwaway last couple of minutes of a game break his arms, and what results in a one game suspension, and then like in the next game, uh, an Edmonton player ends up in a in a fight towards the end of the game, and because it's uh, within like the last ten minutes or whatever it was, and there's the NHL instigator rule that if you get an instigator penalty in the last it's either ten or five minutes, it's an automatic one game suspension. But the thing was that it was a pretty fair two willing combatants fight and the referee just decided to tag on this penalty that then the guy gets suspended for a game, which tried to physically assault someone by breaking their wrists versus a small technicality, same punishment. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a ridiculous sort of um I, I think these these silly like it's the last few minutes rule and all that stuff. I, they, yeah, in certain circumstances, you know, like if you it used to be, or it certainly used to be prophesized that if you got a delay game penalty by firing the puck out of the rink in the last two minutes, 
um, the other team got a penalty shot. I don't know if that is actually a rule. Um, Andy will probably... I think it is. Um, that, that sort of thing I can kind of understand, but these sort of last like fights in the last few minutes, I get it if you're just being like, you know, your team's losing 8-0 and you just are trying to fight somebody too because you're angry and you want to send a message for the next game. They want to get rid of that stuff because at the end of the day, as much as, you know, as hockey fans growing up, we probably quite enjoyed the good fight. Um, it's not good for the player health um, and their well-being. So they're trying to stop all the silliness and I get that. Um, also, it means that there's more skilled players in the NHL because we don't have the kind of Andrew Peters of the world who aren't great hockey players that are just there to play the odd shift and fight. Um, the, thing, but, the thing that I don't get is they seem to obviously, especially this playoffs, they went down the route of all the shenanigans that go on at the final buzzer because there was a lot of it in different games. All the shenanigans that go on at the final buzzer. So, okay, Rambo, so here's the situation. You are... You are whoever, whoever you, you're, you're for for uh, for Florida or whatever it is, and and, a, and a, the final buzzer, you decide that you're going to take out some some vigilante vengeance and 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 cause a bit of a ruckus and do all the rest of it, right, Rambo? At zero 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 on the clock in the final period, I'm going to give you a ten minute misconduct. Mm. How does that change your life? <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. So I, there were t- tons of stuff where like they're calling. Calling penalties at the end of the game, like, but but minor penalties, it's like, well, I, I get it, but also, what what difference does this make to anybody? None. Well, what they need to do is change it to a best of six series, and then if the teams are tied, it, 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 the the tiebreakers penalty points. The BIC has already sussed this out for them. Oh jeez. <laughs> hey hey. I- I don't know how much it was meant. I can't even, to be honest, the whole of Nationals was a bit of a blur for me anyway. And um, I, I can't believe that we nearly had a double coin toss. I know, I know. A three-way coin toss, which would have been, we've, we've always wanted kind of a, a two-way coin toss that wasn't a penalty shootout. But um, we've always wanted a two-way coin toss. But then we never, um, we almost <laughs> nearly got that three-way one, which I think we were all scratching our heads as to how, how the, how does that work? And of course, um, Ryan Fraley was the fall guy for it because uh, it's a nice goal, but um, he was he was dubbed by um, one one um, online viewer as single handedly ruining ruining Nationals. So it was a bit a bit harsh on him because he had no idea what the implications were when he scored that goal. But uh, yeah, <laughs> well, maybe that's what they need in the NHL: a coin toss. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, you'll know it's quite difficult to follow the NHL. You'll you'll know through the the sort of main American sports seasons. I appreciate it's baseball time just now, but the main American sports seasons, I I talk a lot more about NFL and I'm I'm more plugged into that. It's largely because the games are at six o'clock, most of them, or nine o'clock. So it's like you can feasibly watch them. Whereas the NHL, it's always a, you know, Midnight, one o'clock in the morning, start, or if it's West Coast, three, three, four in the morning. Um, you know, unless you're an owl or work the night shift, it's quite difficult to follow the NHL. So, I mean, I've been following the playoffs, catching some highlights and stuff, but um, yeah, some of the, the I saw that uh, Petrangelo um, incident. And to me, he's the instigator for for slashing um, Drysdale at the end of the game. You know, the player coming in and jumping him. I'm not. I'm not advocating for players jumping players and stuff when they're annoyed, but I can kind of see why it happened, um, you know, and why you'd lose your temper in that situation. Um, yeah. So what, what do you make of the, the hate that's been coming uh, the, the the Golden Knights way, though, Nick? There's been a lot of hatred towards the Golden Knights even being in the playoffs. Uh, I, I think... I think the problem is going back through the short history that Vegas have had is they are very, very emphasized on winning and very emphasized on winning now. And that might be the case that there's two sides to it. From my point of view, there's the kind of the rules within the rules, which is obviously they're one of the teams that has exploited the salary cap and long-term injury reserve provisions to make sure that basically Throughout the regular season, they're obviously cap compliant, but then come the playoffs when there's no salary cap, lo and behold, 
their captain then suddenly is not injured anymore and they've gained like an extra ten million pound player and and they're one of many, many teams like Tampa Bay Lightning have done that for a long time, but one of many teams that have exploited a loophole which is a little bit of a well, it's there to be used, but not necessarily exploited. Um but then also they are it's literally you're the new shiny toy right, we want you as a player, like whether that was Jack Eichel or whatever it might be. And then, well, soon as soon as something goes bad, it's like, right, well, we'll just yeet you out the door then and we'll move on to the next person. And and like, obviously, the, the thing that they did with like Marc-Andre Fleury and stuff like that a couple of years ago in the playoffs where there was the whole kind of, he basically got lynched by his own coach in terms of that it was all on him and things like that. And, and, you hear stories about organizations treating players and, and looking after them. And you just kind of get the impression that kind of Vegas, you come into some kind of fanfare and some kind of reception at the MGM grand with, with, uh, with cheerleaders and, and, and party atmosphere. And then at the other end of it, some poor person's kind of getting very Vegas style yeeted out the back door by security. But I'm wondering, do you think, do you think the whole part of it is because it's not a traditional hockey market um as well like you know it's not like let's be honest with you do you think if Vegas were had had a losing record like most uh, expansion teams used to in the past do you think that there would be as much mud slung their way um well look at it this way I know no one I haven't ever really seen anyone say a bad word about the Seattle Kraken mm. stands and, and there's no I don't think there's any any bad blood there or any, no one looks at it and kind of goes like, Oh, ha ha. Like look at Seattle had a bad year. Like, Oh, well, they're, they're not very good. Like there's no kind of people very apathetic towards the Kraken and, and their, their two years that they've been around. Whereas kind of Vegas came in from the start. And I know in year one, they obviously made it to the final and, and everything else and had their little Cinderella type story, but then lost to Ovechkin and the Capitals. But it's, I don't know. There's just, it seems to be a way that they carry themselves that seems to either rub up the rest of the very traditionalist hockey market kind of old men in suits kind of way of way of doing things. And also, like, I don't know, uh, they, they always talk about the Vegas flu in terms of uh, it must be quite nice playing against certain teams that are obviously coming in and um, might have travelled in the day, an extra day beforehand just to make sure that they get a nice... Um, Nice little time in Vegas before the game and stuff. That must be a nice, um, a nice advantage. I'm, I'm sure if, uh, if you were the you were the Steel Queens or you were the Eagles, Rambo, and you knew that the night before you played them on a on a Sunday, everybody was going out and traveling up and having a night out in Edinburgh on the Saturday night. That must be some form of a of some form of an advantage. Yeah. <laughs> um. And um. Yeah. I think I saw one fan. It was like I've waited six years for this or something. You're like, yeah. The Sabres have waited 50, you know. <laughs> um, I think Seattle though doesn't have as bad a rep though because they've maybe went about it the right way and, and Seattle is kind of a, it's like a sports town. I mean, it's maybe not a hockey town. But it's, it, it's got, I mean, it's it's now got five WHL, WHL franchises in, in Washington um, State. So I think maybe, you know, Vegas seems to have kind of, I don't know, like almost... It's the allure of Vegas, the 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 product that we all see on the TV and and the strip and all that stuff. But it's maybe not quite the same as you know Seattle, which is a real sports town, has a lot of interest in hockey because it is really close to Canada. And you know, you know, I think that comes into it too with fans are looking at sort of saying, "Oh my goodness, it's another place where they're not that interested in hockey." And if they were winning, nobody would be there. Because I think, to be honest with you, if they they, if they were had the record of Arizona in the last few years, it wouldn't have worked. There would be nobody there. Well, yeah, that's going to be the test of time, isn't it? In terms of the the North American sports model is is parity and it is trying to work its way around the teams so that everybody has phases of being competitive, and then you you're bad, and then you get given nice things like draft picks, and then you come back and cycle around, and and yeah, it will be the case of. Will the Vegas be there in fifteen years if they're having a bad time? Will will it will it be the hottest ticket in town and will it be sold out or will it just be, yeah, there's yeah, there's a hockey team here kind of thing. Like, 
I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure there was good times in Arizona. Like I'm sure there were a very long time ago, but I'm sure there was good times in Atlanta, or there was good times in Quebec before they left, and probably really good times the first time round in Winnipeg and things like that. Like it's, um, it's how sustainable as a as a as a model it is, especially if you're literally your whole club ethos is built on um, win now, win all the time. Um, perhaps the, the closest thing we can relate to is the uh, Nottingham Mavericks. Which which is a nice segue, Nick. I don't know exactly. I knew where we were going. I knew. Yeah. I, don't worry, Rambo, I've got you. Yeah, yeah, that is a great segue. So, um, yeah, I uh, yesterday morning, we're recording on Sunday for full disclosure. This will probably be Monday before this is out. Um, I spoke to... Will Fry of the Nottingham Mavericks about their successful season for their A team and about the club ethos and had them explain to me what the Battle of Knots was. So, um, yeah, well, let's let's hear what what Phil and I, Phil, Will and I chatted about. So I've posed a question before, Will Fry. Um, in this case, we know that Will is definitely cooking the Nottingham Mavericks with a winning year. How are you doing, Will Fry? Welcome to the show. Good, thanks. Um, yeah, it was a good season, wasn't it? It was. Um, now, before we get into anything, uh, talking about hockey or anything, how did you rate the intro? I've been working on it all week. Yeah, I think it was uh, an improvement on the one you did last time. That's good, that's good. Now, um, before we talk about hockey and, and the season the Mavs have had and the, and the Nottingham, Nottingham Club in general, um, I just wanted to sort of reach out and say that, you know, after what's happened this week in Nottingham, that, you know, everyone in the BIHA... Um, is with you guys, and as much as we all uh, take take the mick out of you guys, um, I just thought it would be worthwhile saying to you. I know that you don't represent the whole of Nottingham, um, that we're all you know we're all thinking about you guys, and we hope you're, you're all doing well and, and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, not something you uh, expect to wake up to on your own doorstep, and I know that there's people in the club that have been affected by it. So. Whilst it hasn't necessarily directly affected me personally, I know that the uh, the support networks are appreciated by a lot of players and particularly the student group. And the, it's just it's not a nice thing that's happened, but it has been nice to see the the response in the city and the way that it's kind of come together. And it's fingers crossed that things like this don't happen again. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. But the, the, as as I say, that we're all we're all here for you guys and I think that's one one benefit about being in a in a in a hockey team or or any kind of sports team is you you do have that kind of family that's not your family that can 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 help you through these things as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. So um I wanted to get you on just for a wee bit of a chat. So well this season's been rather remarkable for the for the Mavericks A team particularly with a undefeated cup season. Um, and then winning the uh, the first cup playoffs we've had in a in a good while as well. Um, you talk us through the season and and how you put it all together. Um, yeah, I think you there's there's two ways to look at it. There's the season, um, season as it was, and then there's the period of time that we've kind of I think the the COVID recovery period, should we call it? Um, and I think that it was a bit of a culmination of. Of, of the hard work that went into that really to get the, the club back up and running again. Um, Reese and Luke and Ashley have put in a lot of work from the back end in terms of structuring the club right and making sure that the foundations are there for, for all the teams to go and achieve success. Um, my roles and responsibility obviously are looking after the A team. Um, so it, for me to be able to concentrate solely on that and, and, put the application in to get what we wanted out of a group of people has been testament to the hard work that the other guys have put in really. Um I've not had to worry about anything else. And we we had discussions during the time of period of recovering from COVID about how we wanted to go about it, what we wanted to achieve. Um and then from there really it's just been been laying the ground rules, trying to sort of reset the culture a little bit and having a look at what does that A team mean? Um, how are we going to treat the players? What experiences do we want to give the players? How are we going to implement certain types of coaching? Um, what's the culture going to look like? And and yeah, it all came together nicely this year. Um, which I think still uh what's the word I'm looking for? 
things a little bit that we didn't win nationals as well, but it's tournament hockey and we'll uh, need that just adds to the motivation to go and get it again next time, I think. So, yeah, you don't want to have too perfect a season than your first season back fully, and <laughs> yeah, then you've got nothing to nothing to work towards the following season, I guess. But um, in, in terms of the the club this year, the one thing I noticed about Nottingham in the, in the first weekend of the season, you, you guys came to Murrayfield and, and, and St Andrews, and yeah. you had a, a rather big bench for for an away trip to Scotland, which is was really uncommon. Um, it, is are you getting better buy-in from the players, perhaps coming back from COVID than you've had before, or? Um, like yeah, maybe. Um, I think that the the really big thing from I mean I can't speak for the other coaches, but the really big thing from my perspective with that A team was that look, if you're playing for the best team in the club, it's a responsibility, not a right. I mean, I want players that what I I want players that want to play. And I want players that want to be there. And I think we want to expose as many people to that opportunity as possible. It's not just a case of saying, right, okay, we've got 16 guys that are registered for the A team. Eight of them maybe can't play over the weekend because they've got responsibilities with work, with other clubs, with family. That's fine. How can we expose players that maybe weren't selected for that team in the first instance that might be on the cusp or that we're looking to develop over a three, four year period at the, with the club while they're at university. Let's take them on these, you know, let's take them on these away trips. Let's have them on the bench at home games. Let's have them down at training so that instead of having to run drills with 10 people, we're running drills with 30 people. And it's their responsibility when they get the opportunity to do that, to try and match the pace and learn from it as best they can. So I think that pretty much every game this season we had three, three and a half, four lines, whether that's home or away, which I think is probably pretty unprecedented in the Mavs, if not the BYHA. Um, but that's just the case of looking at it and going, right, we, we, people in the club are wanting to play for the A-team. They want to develop as hockey players. They want to be part of that tight-knit group that we've got. Um, and I'm not going to gatekeep that from people because the way that I see it is, yes, we're the best team in the club, but ultimately people are with us for a short period of time and it should be just in my head a conveyor belt of development for players so that they're coming in at the start we're working with them as an individual and if the team benefits from the development that they're seeing then great but ultimately when they leave university that shouldn't be the end of their hockey career and we want to give them the best platform possible to go out and achieve what they want to achieve in the game whether that's going and playing for a national league team or even just staying and playing recreationally could be a team b team even down to the E team. Um, so, yeah, I think it's great. I mean, it's great that the players bought into it and wanted to be there, but um, to have the ability to to offer that experience to people, I think is the, the best thing from from my perspective. We came up to Murrayfield, we gave you guys a good game and obviously the way the game went gave me the opportunity to give some of those people ice time where maybe if it had been a bit tighter, they'd have just been there for the ride and 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 happy to maybe have one or two shifts. But, um yeah, it it that that kind of goes back to what I was saying at the start about wanting to embed a culture of seeing it as a privilege to represent the club rather than just uh I pay my money so I get to play kind of thing. So people are actually working for it and buying in that way, which has been great for us all season. And I think that really underpinned the success that we had. Cool, cool. And I noticed um obviously it, it as as the season went on, you, you guys didn't didn't lose to anyone and then you got to the final. Um, and you played London, and your team looked a bit different from the one that travelled to Murrayfield. Was that because at that time you got to where you you knew that was your sort of A team, and that was that? Um, was <laughs> yeah, I mean, who was missing? I can't think who was missing. Trying to think back, we we had to be honest. I don't think we had a game this season where we had the same full roster, but the core stayed the same all the way through. Um. So yeah, I think we the first game in Murrayfield was a little bit. We I didn't we really didn't know what to expect to be honest. We did a lot of preparation before that weekend. Obviously, we had you guys on the Saturday, and then we had St Andrews on the Sunday. So, um, it was a little bit of uh, let's see how we get on. I think we we before we went up, we set the goal. So if we can get one win out of two, we'll be happy with it. Um, and obviously, the result against you guys on the Saturday night was something that I wasn't really, it was being positive, but wasn't really expecting. And then you looked at it and went, okay, we've got the two points. We've, we've got it late. We've got a, 
bus trip to the hotel and then we've got a place at Andrews tomorrow who we played obviously the season before and they were very strong when they came down to see us so it was kind of a, a give or take uh, moment when we went over there and full credit to everyone that stepped up in that game I think we had just under four lines of forwards and and five of the guys were were B team players um, that were filling in for us and they put an absolute shift in on that Sunday against St Andrews um and I've said all season that final aside, that game against St Andrews was the best game I've seen a Mavericks team play ever. Um, but yeah, I think once we then got that weekend out of the way, we can't we we hit into a rhythm and we had the top six define themselves. Um, the defensive core took responsibility and it kind of just became easy to, as long as everyone was available. It became easy to pick teams and it got to the stage where game was coming up everyone was putting in for the game so it made my job very easy for the rest of the season um, and then obviously come the final I think there was one or two people that missed out through work or injury and and there were like I said there were guys that were ready to step in and fill the holes where we needed them from teams below and and put a shift in where needed um, same as they were for us at Nationals weekend and and just uh, so the rest of the BIJ can either panic for next year or um, draw a sigh of relief as is Dan Atkinson and Callens back next year, or are, they, are these guys uh, headed off to pastures now? Um, I have taken since so, so yeah, since nationals, I have completely taken a break from the sport. So I've not even really started looking at recruitment or retention for next year yet. There's been some conversations, um, and I. I mean, I don't, well, to be honest, there's, I haven't even confirmed what I'm doing yet next season, so I don't want to go saying the team's going to look like X, Y, Z, but um, I think that we set a foundation this year for continued success. It wasn't just about coming in and doing it over one season, so whether guys are staying or whether guys are going, I'd like to think that the way that we're looking to run the hockey team and and the the pillars of the pillars and ways of doing things would remain for years to come, so uh, regardless of what Dan and Marks and other people would like to do, uh, I I hope that if the success is continued. But if I was going to uh, predict how the Mavericks roster look next season, then I'd expect it to even be stronger than it was this year, given some of the players that played the year before went away and were having conversations about wanting to come back. So we'll see what happens. Um I'll uh, I'll leave that one for the first game of the season. If we come up to Murrayfield again, and you can look, you can look at the look at the roster then. You can see it then, um, and uh, obviously you guys got to final and, and won it, and it, yeah. it ended up being a fairly um, uh, well. I wouldn't say it was a, a one sided game, but it was it was a fairly convincing win in the sense that it, it wasn't. Um, it didn't look like you guys were in a lot of trouble. Put it that way. Um, did it take any of the shine off it for you guys having to play London instead of Oxford? Um, um it took a lot of <laughs> took a lot of the two weeks hard work prepping to find as much video and information on Oxford as possible to then be told <laughs> we're playing London. That was really fun. Um no, I don't think so. Uh look, London were a really good team. Um I know that I know we lost to Oxford at Nationals. That was disappointing, but I don't think that was down I mean, there was other factors involved in that. Um the London team, you know, we lost to them at Nationals the year previously. I think it was in the quarterfinals. Um, they added a lot of good players. Um, I think it was 77. I can't remember what his name was. The kid from Finland. Um, yeah, really, they, they had a really good, really good depth. Um, I, don't, yeah, didn't, I don't think it took the shine off at all. Obviously, it would have been nice to beat Oxford, but they don't want to come and play us then. <laughs> We'll take whoever wants to whoever wants to play the game, but I think there's a we had this conversation as a group after the nationals weekend and came together and and sort of tried to remind them that they've had to work really hard this season to achieve that success. Like you know, yes, we've got a talented roster, but it's not come just by being good at playing the game. They've had to work really hard. They've had to prepare really hard. The coaching staff we've have put a lot of effort in to make sure that we're adapting strategy. The players are understanding how we're trying to go into every single game and trying to give them as professional professional as experience possible as we work through a season, which has been difficult given that I think it was, what, an eight-game conference 
Um, so sort of trying to make sure they stay motivated and engaged has been difficult at times with the long breaks that we've had between games. But whether it was Oxford, whether it was London, whether it was Edinburgh, Andrews, the Sheffield games that we played, we've just taken everyone as it comes and prepared for it as an individual match and said, look, okay, how do we match up against this team? How do we want to play in different areas of the game? Yes, we've got the style that we want to play as a team and the way that we want to play hockey, but how are we going to adapt the little things to make sure that we get as much success as possible? And I think that was actually evidenced in the final against London where we said, yes, we're going to go and play certain ways, how we've played all season. We want to dominate in certain areas of the ice, but how can we make sure that we do the certain little things right that we don't ever really come under pressure? And then it gives us or gives them, it gives the players the confidence that when we do concede goals, we know we're going to be okay because we know what the response is going to be to that. Um, and that's always been a really key thing for us is, you know, it's a 60-minute game of hockey and we're a talented team, but things aren't always going to go our way. So what's our response going to be to the adversity that we're facing? And for the whole season, their response was perfect every single time. Um, but that was something that was practised. It wasn't just something that was, right, okay, you've conceded the goal, what are we going to do now? We knew the situations all the way through the season. So they could rely on each other and they knew what each other was going to do. Um, and we got the outcome that we wanted in the end. But yeah, a lot a lot, lot of hard work from the players. And I think it's testament to the, the attitudes and the personalities that we had in the room that it all kind of came together nicely and they got the reward that, in my opinion, they fully deserve. Yeah, and and obviously Nottingham's quite a big club. Uh, I think you had six teams in nationals, or seven. Uh, seven teams, yeah. With the women's team as well. Um and um, you know, how do you keep it all together as a club? Because obviously, it's quite it's quite easy for the, say the Eagles have got one team. I think most Eagles have ever had two teams, um, and 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 you know, in clubs like that. But you, you've got absolutely masses amount of players uh, and and staff and stuff. How, how do you keep it all together and, and keep the balls in there? Um, <laughs> Reese Clark and Ashley Johnson this season, and Luke Thornton the season's gone. Um, no, we get, you know, those guys, I mean, the amount of work that Reese puts in, I don't understand how he has time in the day. Like I, I was running out of hours working with one team and he's looking after seven, like you said. But then obviously you factor in, I think, the volunteer coaches that we've got do an outstanding job. Um, Mike and Laura can't give up countless hours to go and help all the different teams, which it's, yeah. we. I think that work that was, sort of done on the culture is drip through the entire club. And I think there's been a real desire across all the levels to just make sure that it works for the people that are there. Um, so we're pushing really hard to cater for the elite players. And that's obviously my job at the top end, but then equally there's, a, just, there's just as much hard work going into catering for how can we get as many people on the ice at beginner level and how can we teach them to skate and how can we keep them in, in engaged in the sport and, and wanting to play games and, it's it's a bit of a balancing act at times because obviously I'm fighting, you know, there's a limited amount of money as there is with every club in the country. And like you said, it might be easy for you. If you're just one team, it's easier to spend the money because, you know, when you organise a game, everyone's going to benefit from it. So um, I'm fighting at one end and people are fighting at the other end to try and to get what they need. And I think it's all just fallen into place this season where that balancing act's been got right. And hopefully that continues into next year as well. Because I think there's, I mean, to be honest, there's, there's still room for the club to grow. We're, we're operating to the level we're operating at now, but there's still people that are turning up to trials and, and not taking places. So, um, yeah, I don't. there's room for the club to grow, whether there's the ice time or whether there's the, uh, the amount of people that needs to run it, I don't know. But it's, yeah, it's nice to see. I think we've seen what's happened to teams in the past and you know how quickly it can fall from underneath you. So, yeah, it's good that, Good that people are working hard and good that it's working at the moment and hopefully uh, continues for years to come. Cool, cool. And um, just in a slightly off-piece topic, I've got a couple of couple of varsity questions after this, but um, just uh, for the first time in living memory, the Mavs actually had a, a white top that wasn't um, <laughs> Roman. Um, which one do you prefer and why? Uh I don't know. Probably, 
I think we. I think we won more games wearing white this well, we won all our games in the cup season, but I think we played more games in white and I think it looks smarter. So I'm gonna say the white jersey for that one. That's actually my choice. I don't know whether it's a shock of not having a white jersey, but Yeah, um, I, I never you... got one. Sorry? I never got one when I played. I've only got the green one. Well, the the white ones that Nottingham had, I think when you played, were the the Times New Roman ones. If I yeah, they were. Correctly. Or it was the green one turned inside out with tape numbers on the back. Yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> classic. Um, so um, yeah, the, the other thing I wanted to find out a bit more about, which has intrigued me a lot, is is uh, Nottingham's varsity setup. So obviously, I have the big varsity, which is the mm-hmm. you know the, the the main game, the game that I suppose counts if there's. I don't know if there's a cup between Trent and, and Nottingham. Yeah. Um, that's the main game. You've then got the Battle of Knots, which I presume is kind of akin to the second team varsity. Is that yeah. And then you've got, you had this other thing that you had that I forgot what the name of it was that was quite recently that Mike was playing in and I think you were playing in and stuff. Oh, like. that was Battle of Knots. That was Battle of Knots. Yeah. So we've got three or two varsities. That's just what two. Just two. So we've got the main varsity, which is obviously. Trent versus University of Nottingham, but what it actually works out as normally is Trent versus University of Nottingham and everyone else that goes to a university in the East Midlands, um, given that I might be wrong and I'll probably get shot for saying this, but I think it's because Trent's got a sports degree, which a lot of the guys obviously go and do, and I don't think the University of Nottingham does sports. So a lot of the guys that are guys and girls that are playing for the club from the University of Nottingham are doing other courses, so we tend to get maybe slightly less players from the university of. So we kind of compliment the people from Loughborough and Derby and Lincoln and um, they'll play for the University of Nottingham team. So um, yeah, so that's the big one. That's organised by the universities as part of their, as part of their varsity series. And that's played, when do we play that? February, I think. That's the big one. Um, and then we have Battle of Knots, which is for, B, C, D team level players that don't make it into the main varsity. We run that as a club ourselves, organise that as a club. Um, and yeah, me and Mike played this played this year for a bit of fun. End of season fun as well. And 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 are, are the teams split up still Trent and, and University yeah. of that or are they? Yeah, Trent and University of. So it's it's almost like a B varsity basically. Right. Okay, and you get quite a good crowd for that because you make a big deal of it, which I think is a great thing for when you've got, you know, you've got your players who've they put their time in and maybe don't get to play for the eighty minute in the big varsity. So it's it's good that you make a big deal of it. But do you get do you get yeah interest? Um, in yeah. So the the main varsity is obviously Nottingham Arena, seven thousand people, sold out, crazy carnage. Um, and then the Battle of Knots, we played the last two years we've done it, we've played it on the smaller rink in Nottingham. Uh, and I think it was 700 people, which is the capacity for in there. Um, it, it it was played before COVID in the arena as well. And I think one year we had three and a half thousand for it. Um, but obviously COVID got in the way. We've got, there's been, a, like I said, you know, Ashton Reese have done a lot of work to get that back off the ground and, and, out there for the generation of students that missed missed what it was. So there wasn't that kind of continued year on year knowledge of the event coming up. But I don't know what I don't know what the plans are for that moving forward. Um I don't know whether it'll stay in the smaller side or whether it'll move back into the arena. But yeah, it's uh it's a bit of a raucous crowd, shall we say, when it's in the smaller side. It's it's actually really good fun. The atmosphere is great for it. And I think it suits being in that ring. But and like, yeah, it's it's a good opportunity for those players that maybe don't get to play in front of a crowd very often to enjoy the enjoy the environment and the occasion. And um, <laughs> it's not friendly, that's for sure. And and did uh, and how did you and, and Mike fare? Um, normally being coaches, getting to getting to play. Well, I got sent to sit a bench penalty in the first period, which I thought was two minutes and ended up being four. So I didn't play much in the first period. <laughs> um, and then had a little bit of ice time in the second and third. It was good fun. We just coasted around and, and had a laugh, tried to line up on face-offs together and and enjoy the enjoy playing for once and not having to worry about the coach. And it was funny, actually, because it was uh, three of my A-team players that were coaching the team that I was on. So I was just sat on the bench trying to keep quiet and not give them any 
any pointers really let them do their own thing um but yeah unfortunately mike got the better of me and got to lift the trophy which wasn't the uh outcome that i wanted but yeah it was good fun to end the season really it was the last thing that we did really as a club so nice evening um and then just uh are you still playing for the cyclones or involved in that no, just coach more? just coaching now you're just coaching now um but you're you still involved in the cyclones no no nope. Not at all. No, maths is uh, so I'm doing really now just doing maths and then doing some work with the IHA as well as the part of the national team program. So that's taken up all my time. Um, yeah, playing. I might well, I don't really know what I'm going to do next season. I might, I'd like to get back to playing, but I don't think I've really got the time to do it. Um, playing in the UK All Stars event in the summer for the Team Mind charity team which will be good fun for the weekend. So shameless plug, if anyone wants to donate some money for that, then uh, I'll get the links over to you. But um, yeah, I think play, I was, I was having this conversation with uh, with Mike actually partway through the season and we were talking about, you know, like are you going to go back to playing and things? And I think for me, I get as much, if not more enjoyment from the game coaching than I do playing. Um. I think I get more of a buzz from being behind the bench than I do being sat on it. So I think it's it's probably the case for me now that that's where I'll probably that's where I'll stay in the game. Um yes. but, you, get that, that, you get that nice feeling of when you see players sort of implementing things that you've put together and it working and and that sort of thing. I mean you get times where I think it was last season where um my assistant coach came up with a, a diamond plus one defensive plan to play Bristol Pitbulls and uh we ended up losing six nil in a sixteen nil a sixteen minute game. So, um, you do get times where it goes completely wrong too. But yeah, I do, I do think you can you can get quite a lot out of out of coaching and stuff like that. Anyway, I have taken up an awful lot of your time, and I know that you're 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 uh, you've got baby duties and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, um, just just briefly, um, are you what are you looking forward to most about next season? And is there anyone you want to give a shout out to as well? Um, looking forward to most for next season. That remains to be seen because I want to see what the league structure is. Well, not the not a league structure before it comes out. Um, I think <laughs> we uh, it's a, it's a funny one actually. We had some conversations at nationals about it. You know, you were saying earlier about everyone likes to rib on the Mavs and and take the piss out of the club and and whatnot. Um, and it was a, it was interesting when we lost to Oxford the response that we got you know oh you know thought you were going to win everything and you were being big time and blah 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 and we were and I think we just put in foundations like I said that we we want to push the, our team to be as good as possible and ultimately hope that other teams in the league respond to that because that's how we grow right if, if we're doing things what we perceive to be the right way then Sheffield might push themselves harder to catch up with us and you guys obviously maybe need to, to do certain things to get back and, and you know, recruitment obviously plays a big part in it. You have some years that are good, some years that are poor. Um, but that's ultimately how the league gets better. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing the response to us from other teams when we go and play them now. Um, because that keeps the challenge fresh for us and that keeps us having to work harder and push harder. Um, and we said that to the guys all season, you know, the harder you work, the more you have to work because teams will catch you up. You can't just get to a certain position and stop and think that you've achieved what you want to achieve. You have to constantly keep moving forward one step at a time. So yeah, a fresh challenge would be nice. Um, I'm not personally that interested in repeating the results from this year. If we go in and we win things, great. If we go and we don't win things, that's fine too. But ultimately we just want to make our team better and our players better, better hockey players and, and good people. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably probably what I'm looking forward to most next year. Cool, cool. And I, I think you're right. Clubs have uh, had to respond to you. And I mean, even taking a personal example of, of the the the, unique, the Eagles team, um, that first game we was, you know, 15-1. Then we played you at home, and well, in your home. Yeah. And the, the, tactically, we tried to adjust how we defended so we could keep you at B, which worked for a while, <laughs> the whole game. Um but you could see, we could see from our, you know, that goal that we hadn't caught up with you, but we're starting to make some. Progress. Yeah, but the gap closes, doesn't it? Like you, yeah. you can make adjustments based on what on what you've seen before, and that's 
you know, if we want to, if, I, if I'm being selfish about it, I want to go, I want our team to go and win the Nationals next season. That's what I want. That's the one that's missing. Um, but we're going to have to put the, exactly the same amount of hard work that went into this season. We'll have to go into next season if we want to be competitive, be competitive again. Um, so, yeah, that will start fairly soon once we've got certain conversations and things out of the way and then we'll see where we go from there. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for t- thanks for spending um a good part of your Saturday morning with me. That's right. Um, I really appreciate right. you coming on, and uh, hope you have a great and peaceful summer. Because I know how hard you work on hockey, so it'll be nice for you to get some time off. Um. Yeah, back on the golf course for a bit. I think. Yeah. Oh, well, I go back in the golf course, but that's just another place of misery for me. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but thanks so much for coming on and spend spend your time uh, with me this morning. Uh, yeah, no problem, mate. We'll look forward to coming up and seeing you guys in uh, Murrayfield again next year. Okay, cheers, 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 mate. So, so there you are, Nick. That was that was Will, and and I, I just want to reiterate the sentiments that whilst we rib on the Mavericks a lot, and we're probably going to do that even in this podcast a little bit. Um, the the events that happened in Nottingham in this past day. Uh, seven days um we will stand with with anyone there that needs our support and if anyone needs to reach out and and speak to to myself or or nick um then then of course you can can do that and and our thoughts are with the people of nottingham and uh, nick and i'm sure you you share that sentiment yeah 100 percent. obviously the the events that have transpired there over the past past week are, are, are these flashpoint kind of events that that shock shock cities and, and shock countries really I think there's there's still an element of um it's the reality that crazy events like that could happen anywhere at any time if you know what I mean and as scary as dark as that sounds but it's um something that kind of brings everything back to back to home again doesn't it and yeah as Rambo said if, if anybody is affected by any of these things I'm sure um, do feel free to reach out on any of the various social platforms, and I'm sure we can either try and assist or try and help point you in the in the right direction to help you help you get the support that you need. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Nick, obviously uh, the Mavs have quite a, a successful season, but um, what what uh, what were your sort of what have been your highlights of the the past season, um, particularly with your what became your baby this year, uh, the Nationals. Um, I I just kind of loved from my experience of nationals this year the there was this hunger of different teams having different things to play for and that no matter what weekend you were in yeah you might have a tough Saturday or you might have some of the some of the challenges that come with it you might feel and again in in this is not a perfect world and I know there was lots of teams who had complaints and grumbles about either their own locations or other teams' locations and the rest of it, but the the world's not perfect and, and there's no way to perfectly rank all the teams and, and, and assess it in, in that kind of way. Um but I love the fact that even even though that happened, you could have certain teams like as an example, let's let's pick um let's pick one close to home for me, like the the King C team and and there we'll we'll get onto the trials and tribulations of penalty shots shortly, Rambo. But um like the, the funny thing is, Rambo, like they 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 didn't win they didn't win a game all weekend in regulation by any means. They they literally drew drew one game in the group stage and, and lost the lost the other ones, or it might have been two draws, I can't remember what it was, but then obviously win the first semi-final in the world's longest penalty shootout ever known to man. Um I think in some way we're all still there. We're all still watching. Um and then uh I, I, yeah, it turned into something out of uh, what's the what's the DiCaprio DiCaprio film where like uh, reality just kind of gets bent. Inception. Yeah, it turned into Inception for me in terms of like we were we were still kind of in this alternate universe where we were we were damned to do this forever. Um, and then obviously the the final, slightly less 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 time. I think that was nine rounds or whatever it was, rather than twenty two or twenty one. Um, but yeah, like as an example, they they came away absolutely cock a hoop over the moon about coming away and got photos with the trophy and had a great weekend. And it's like, well, actually, 
it was pointed out by quite a few of the B teamers who obviously had a bit more of a rough weekend in theirs in terms of had a fantastic group stage and then um, rather laid an egg in the semi-final um, that, well, you didn't win a game. And the response was, well, I don't care. I, I've got a trophy. Like I, I, we, we won something. So the, it, it's all those opportunities. And, and looking back from my point of view of before either I was in charge of trying to sort out nationals or even before I was upstairs and we were commentating and doing the rest of the stuff, Rambo. And, and I'm sure this goes back to your time as well, that, um, how many times did you go there knowing, well, actually, by Sunday morning, I know what my plans are going to be because I know what time our last game is and when we're heading up the road. Yeah. And, and yeah, whereas now it's like, well, hold on, go roll that back, Rambo. You'd, you'd have some kind of semi-final or some kind of knockout game to to do that. And And from my point of view, it creates different heroes and it creates different things like, as an example, not to be too king centric, but like Tilly Fisher, as an example, who scored the the tying penalty shot and then eventually the winning penalty shot in in that in that semi final, like she might never get that opportunity again, or or she can always have that moment of like, well, that will always be remembered, kind of in 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 King's folklore that she was the person who did that, and obviously had never ever still has never scored a goal, but has two penalty shot goals to her name, if you know what I mean, so. Yeah, um, which yeah, currently obviously on the on the website, she she's been claiming to everybody that she wants her king's pucks for her first goals because um it's it's registered on the website as obviously uh goals there Rambo so I might yeah. have Dave, bit of a technical uh technical yeah, thing. I, I, can't, like, I can't remember how it's supposed to work in WHF. I don't think you get credited with a goal if it's a, a I mean if it's within game penalty shot obviously you do but uh. Even if you've got the game winning goal, it shouldn't technically credit you as a goal, but I think it's a it's a kind of a software meltdown, isn't it? Um uh, but the, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um I would say to your B team, um, I know they're they 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 fought hard and got a little bit upset. I would say I'd say to them, you you know, as Vin Diesel says in the first fast and the furious, doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, winning's winning. So the C T won um within the rules of the tournament, they, they won they won that that portion of the tournament fair and square in my book. Um I mean the the other thing that penalty shootout proved to me, Nick, is that the old adage that trying the same thing over and, <laughs> again, and, again, and, again. And, and, and expecting different results um is insane, uh, was kind of disproved because I mean Mark Taylor, bless his cotton socks used the same three shooters back to back to back to back to back, and eventually it worked. Um, for, <laughs> for the tournament sake, we were up in the gantry saying, you know, we'd like to see Joseph Sanderson, we'd like to see somebody else take a shot for the Kings, and he just stuck at it, and eventually um, Taylor pulled it out of the bag for him, so, uh, for, for the Kings. So it was, it was, it was fun, um, and you can tell a shootout's long when no one can agree on exactly how many rounds there were as well, Nick. Yeah, exactly. Like to be honest, I, I, I just I, the whole thing is just bananas to me. But again, if you think about it, Rambo. Like previous formats, you're only ever getting that opportunity for that to potentially happen three times. In terms of you would always have two semi-finals and a final, and what we've now got potential that that can happen nine times per tier or even more if there's the the quarterfinal kind of games and stuff and it's 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 more fun it's a better entertaining event for everybody there like you can't tell me that there wasn't people in that building who were perhaps sitting in the bar at that point and then was like oh there's a penalty shootout going on between two teams that I've got no investment in right come on I'll come and have a look and then some people probably went away went to puck stop probably went and had a nap in the Ibis or whatever it's called these days and then came back and they were still doing it um, and, and still in round 20-odd or whatever by that point. Yeah, I mean, uh, people that filed their taxes during, during the time that penalty shootout was going on. It was, yeah, uh... exactly. But it, it's stuff like that and it's... I, I would hope, or certainly I, I know we've touched on it off-air beforehand, that seems like from what I've been told, the feedback on the, the old booyaha survey seems to be fairly positive towards nationals and um, um, there is the the odd gremlin comment in there that um obviously needs looking at and, and skynet seems to have got berated um to an extent but 
there's there's that all that can be discussed at future dates in terms of I'm quite happy to have a, a full podcast special discussing Skynet um and, and and the implications of that. But but yeah, it's from my experience I, I really enjoyed nationals. It was something different for me. Um but as long as everybody else enjoyed it, that's all that really matters. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the issues with Skynet there, there was I'm gonna put the the beauty of having the auto cam available, at least for me, outweighed some of the downfalls of it. And I appreciate that there was things like, you know, there was a couple of times where it wasn't quite following, the, it doesn't follow the puck, it follows the players, the sort of mass of players. So, um, and actually, um, at times it became difficult for the system depending on the speed of the game, depending on the movement of the puck. Um, I think, I don't know if you noticed, but in, in division, like the top tier, um, if someone kind of made a breakaway, it was very slow to react to that because obviously the quick movement of the puck and the player was, it was watching the players that were maybe left behind by the player speeding off in the first movement. And as those players caught up, it caught up with the, with the breakaway. The... Um, but then the benefit for us upstairs was we always had a camera that was going to be moving. And if people were missing, we could run that up the stairs with, with basically just me commentating and someone doing the, the, the stats, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, a it meant that the, the live stream and, um, you know, there's been other things that I've seen with other problems. There was a, an entire game missed on one of the live streams in the, in the tournaments um that have happened, you know, in the playoff weekends that have happened. So, these things are these things are set to try us, and the, the... and 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 my biggest comment there, Rambo, is not about whether or not Skynet's good, bad, or indifferent, or whatever it is. Similar to what you just said about the whole definition of insanity thing. Okay, it's been a problem that we've always had is about camera facilities and and cam- vol- willing volunteers. I won't call them victims; we'll call them volunteers to do the camera work and everything else. We tried something different. Was it perfect? No, not much in life is. Um, apart from Yorkshire tea, just throwing that out there. I've got to get my sponsorship money in. Um, <laughs> there's, we tried something different. We're going to analyze it. We're going to look at what was good. Obviously, we're going to look at also what was bad. We're going to take on board our own internal feedback. We're going to take on some of the external feedback that we've received. And and you know what? Next year, probably we'll try something slightly different again in terms of. Will it be a? It might well be a hybrid system where it's a little bit of both, or it's got different scenarios where it comes into effect. Like, as an example, we're now fully aware that um, obviously Skynet has no has no morals and has no chill in terms of you could be laying there bleeding out on the ice, and Skynet's like, well, everybody's there, but <laughs> puck just m- must be moving real slow. Whereas obviously we know with 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 person cam, well, we'll move that away out of out of um. Out of respect. Yeah, uh, and I, I think it's a weird thing as well for the, the UK, because I, I was watching, you know, I obviously watch a decent amount of American sports, but the cameras seem to zoom in on people you are in America. Um, and, uh, and 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 equally, like in rugby and football and stuff, as the players, once they're tended, but they're on the stretcher, they go, the camera goes to the stretcher and stuff. So, you know, it's not, um, it's, it was far from ideal. And these are little things that we're, we're going to talk to Joe about, whether there's, there's options to you know for us to press a button and it maybe goes on a highlight reel or press a button and it goes on to holding screen or something or holding screen or whatever. Um, Again, the only way for us to know that these things might be needed and are things that we need to look at is to have that first experience. And yeah. I, I was being, I was having a long conversation yesterday with actually with um, with uh, with one of my bosses that, in my view, and one of the things that I've taken away from life and kind of one of the philosophies that I kind of try and live by is there's. It, it might suck at the time and, and, and it takes a long time to get to that realisation, but there's no such thing really as a bad experience. Like you might not enjoy something and and it might be horrendous, but you in, in the grand scheme of things, okay, well, the experience that you've taken away from that is that you didn't enjoy it and it's a horrendous experience. You, you won't want to do it again then. Like there's there's no such thing as a bad experience in, in my ex, in my experience. Um, I just things that we'll take away from these weekends and we'll we'll try again and I, and I know 
it's not exactly a, a Nationals kind of exclusive by any mean, but we did change some things this year and people should be aware and be ready that next year there'll be more change. So get yeah. ready for the next April. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I'm, I believe your philosophy, but there is an exception that that, that um, proves the rule, uh, Nick, and that is the film Silence. I don't know if you've ever seen it, nope. but that is a bad experience. That is not a good experience. I, I've not thought of anything that's come good of that in my life since I watched it. Um, so I don't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> you heard me typing away. It was to remind myself what the name of it was because I tried to delete it from my mind. Um, but when you were talking there, I just uh, couldn't help but remember it. Um, so I'm sorry if that offends anyone, but it was terrible. Um, that might be someone's... We probably just lost some listeners. That might have been their favourite film. Oh, dear. If it is, then... And again, if, if we've got this far through this podcast, they must be well used to us offending people by now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Nick, um, yeah, the, the, the I thought Nationals went really, really well. Um, apart from me being really ill on the first weekend, um, and then you know I, I managed to power through in the second weekend. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I like the new format. I know there were some teams that maybe were at the tail end of it that felt it was a bit. That obviously having these, these sort of you know your your, I think this year we called them the what was it the plate and the. Ball and quiche, the, the the ball, the quiche, the cup, the quake, whatever. Um, some people thought that you know the 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 ones the 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 quake, the ball, they kind of detracted from the overall tournament, which meant that it was there was less minutes in those games and stuff like that. And I can see that argument, um, but I think when you look at it as a whole, what people need to remember in the BIHA is that there, no one's playing, no one's on a contract. Um, no one's uh, no one's making any money out of it. Um, everyone's paid to be there. Everyone's paying to be there, and I think that these teams that are weaker, that are at the you know the lower end of tournaments, if they weren't there, there wouldn't be a tournament. So because there would be no one to to pay in the the entry fee and stuff like that, so we can afford to run that tournament. So I think they deserve the, the you know their their bananas as well, if you know what I mean, and and get and get those 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 special moments. And and to be honest with you, as a product, I think it's a lot better. And I know people might think, well, that's easy for you to say because you're commentating and you get excited for you know tier six the same as you get excited for tier one. That's true, but I think there is a, a um like a definite better product for people to watch on the live stream. Um, yeah, it's a little bit confusing, but I think you know that's part and parcel of anything. I mean, I still yeah. yeah I, I, again, one of the, one of the things that we'll take away is yeah. In my mind, without having been through the experience, do I know the difference between the hierarchy of a bowl, a cup, and a quitch? Like, I've seen plenty of people being quite happy that. Um, that they that they won a quitch and people are like, well, I don't I don't get what that is. So one of the one of the one of the things that we might take away is uh okay. It's a quick <laughs> again, so again, you 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 picked the something that anyway, long story short, that might be the only time that anyone wins a quiche. Um, I blame you guys for not letting me have the Spork be the bottom tournament, quite frankly. Well, quite quite, um, quite frankly, if I'd have had a vote, because this all got decided without me, um, I, I would quite happily let you have a Spork. But um, no, I, I'm put it this way. Uh, I'll be putting my foot down next year and we'll be having a much easier way to understand. Of yeah, I think you can... Between the tiers. Yeah, like the the gold plate, the silver plate, the bronze plate, or something. Yeah, the gold, silver, and bronze. Which I know. Yes, we've had the debate that technically, if you come second in the big final, shouldn't you technically be the silver winner? But no, that's not how this is. Well, going. not not if you call it the gold plate and then the silver plate and the yeah. bronze plate. I guess we don't we don't hand out medals. We give them beers at the end and and and, and the trophy that they give back within. 20 minutes of getting it so so it's not it's not um 
it, it might not matter what what colors we call things um but yeah i mean uh, i think yeah as a product it's, it's really improved so i think nick probably we're we're about wrapping up for this this edition of the podcast i think i'm hoping next time we'll you know in the next few weeks um we'll be able to have another chat um maybe bring yeah. in uh, one of the one of the you, you know we i suppose this is one thing we always have nationals kind of I don't know, nationals like minor celebrities that grow from nationals. You know, like we've had, um, you know, Nick Winters this year was unbelievable. You know, these sorts of things. One of them came from one of the lower tiers and in fact got ended up getting her own chant at nationals, placards made up, all sorts. Um, Eve Day or All Day Eve Days is now her moniker. Um, she's quite keen to come on. Um I think we've got plenty of other people that we want to chat to as well from Nationals weekends and, and, and things like that. So, um, And it'd be nice to get someone from the South, I guess. So, um, yeah, uh, was there any any other minor celebrities that came from came to mind for you that you you would like me to try and obtain for the for the as a guest? Um, hmm. I don't know. That's something I have to. I know you did the the goalie the goalie round table, which was good, and I think that was a have some good content there. Um, no, like leave that with me. I think that's something I'll, I'll have to try and again, as I said, nationals was a bit of a blur. I might have to try and think back about some of the um, some of the perhaps uh, protagonists from the weekend's events that we should probably be trying to trying to have a word with. But no, I, I think uh, not to um, commit to too much Rambo, and I'm sure that probably when we sit down in September and we do the next episode because we've we've reneged on what we were talking about. But I, I, do, I do know in previous years, we obviously had had quite a, a summer hiatus sometimes where we've uh, burnt ourselves out. Whereas I think um, out of respect, maybe to the our small viewership of of, of three, whoever, however many listen in these days. Even um, Max and Will, I think. Um, <laughs> hello. <laughs> I think, I think out, of, out of respect for that, we should... Um, uh, we should. We'll, we'll try and get some content throughout this summer and try and get some of these people involved, which um, which would be really good. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so I think um, the all left to be said in this episode is uh, that's a uh, um, goodbye from me, and it's a goodbye from me.